Welcome to another episode of the Jump Around with Blake Udonis, my podcast on women's basketball. Joining me for this episode is Trisha Fabry, head coach at Quinnipiac University, a team that if you've paid any attention to uh, in the last two years, or really in the past 10 years, you know who they are. Went to the Sweet 16 two years ago, coaches in her 24th season at Quinnipiac, had a really long journey to get to where they are at now. They all they haven't always been successful, and uh, she actually has a pretty interesting story. I'm going to try to get her to share about her early time when she started at the school. It was a Division II school when she started there, and then transitioned in, and obviously has found a ton of success. She was a great player in her own right back at Fairfield, so I want to talk to her about that. But that Sweet 16 run in 2017 was uh, you know, captured the imagination of the nation, so we um, we're going to cover that pretty extensively, but talk to her about her program going forward and another good year for her. So I'm looking forward to having her on. We'll get her on the phone right now. This is The Jump Run. Welcome back to the Jump Around, and joining me is Quinnipiac head coach Trisha Fabry. Coach, thanks so much for joining me and doing this this series of episodes of, of teams that could potentially cause some chaos in the brackets. But uh, you guys have already done that a number of times, so you are you're kind of the head of the list there. But uh, I really do appreciate you taking some time for me today. Well, Blake, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Uh, before we get into your stellar time um, at your at your current post, people might not realize you were a heck of a player back in the day at Fairfield, and I want you to brag on yourself, or I'm going to do it. So we can do this the easy way, or we can do this the hard way. But uh, I'm going to allow you the easy way first of just 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 brag on yourself a little. You 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 were a baller. Well. Well, now that I'm, I'm a couple of decades removed from my playing days, it's easier to talk um, and embellish a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah. But, um, you know, the, the, the legend now has grown. <laughs> um, but no, um, was played for Diane Nolan um, down at Fairfield U. Um, and ironically enough, um, my mother, uh, Peg Thornback, who was, you know, now Peg Sacker, played for... Hall of Fame coach down at Gloucester Catholic, uh, Bert Nolan, who was Diane Nolan's mother. And then Diane uh, recruited me up to Fairfield, and I became a stag. And uh, for four years, I had not only a, a, you know, a great career, but you know, obviously had great teammates and really enjoyed my experience. But um, individually, was able to pretty proud of my uh, 1,600 points and 1,000 rebounds, so I'm not afraid to throw that around to, to the current players that I'm coaching yes. to remind them that uh, yes. I, was, I was pretty much a boss down low, <laughs> even though they don't think it. Um, so, um, yeah, so, you know, I did. I had great teammates. We had a lot of success. And, and really, actually, back, back when I played from 87 to 91, they took 48 teams into the NCAA tournament before it expanded into 64, and that, um, you know, we, I, I was fortunate enough to play in, in two NCAA tournaments. In the first round, we played St. John's, and I was a, 
a freshman. And then my senior year, we played um, Providence, and that was the first year that UConn uh, made it all the way um, to their first Final Four uh, under Gino Oriema. So I am dating myself a little bit, but uh, we did. We had great teams under Diane Nolan. We had a lot of success, and we played in, in two NCAA tournaments. Well, and then when you finish your playing career, you you get into coaching um, not that long after that, and, and you're at Fairfield. Um, was was college coaching, was that something that you were like, yep, I'm going to do this long term, or, or, or did you kind of accidentally yeah. stumble into it? <laughs> no, so I'm a Jersey girl, and uh, I head down to the Jersey Shore every summer. So after, after I did graduate from Fairfield U, uh, I had some irons in the fire uh, with my uh, communications degree and was looking into actually a public relations job up in Macy's in New York. Had a couple of connects, but with my um, high school girlfriends, we all had a house down the Jersey Shore. Um, and then that's what I was, I was down there and actually uh, cocktail waitressing at one of the uh, casinos um, <laughs> and, and, and still, still living it up uh, post-graduation for Fairfield U. And then, you know, still weren't cell phones back in, the, uh, back in those days. So um, Diane actually had a grad assistant position open up and called my mom and dad. And my mom and dad quickly got in the car came down to the shore and said, Diane called, you're heading up to, um, back up to Fairfield for a GA position to get coaching. And, you know, obviously I always enjoyed, you know, working camps and obviously playing days and coaching. So I said, this, this sounds great. Let's go back up. And then once I actually got to the other side, um, of the, uh, you know, on the bench and, and into, you know, the, the coaching aspect of it, um, certainly enjoyed it and really caught the bug 100%. And, and then from there, I knew I was totally locked in and bit the bug and have, have been, you know, 24 years at Quinnipiac with four years at Fairfield. So, um, you know, obviously love what I'm doing um, with the coaching and um, enjoying it, you know, some 28 years later. Yeah. Uh, can you come back sometime and let's just do a full episode on your time as a waitress at a casino? Can we, can we do that? Oh, my gosh. It, 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 it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I will tell you, my feet hurt now coaching in heels, <laughs> and I love those and I love those kid day games where you get to wear sneakers. Yeah. But my feet never hurt so much when I was wearing those high heels walking around, uh, getting the drinks. So um, that, that was the one detriment that uh, I, I would not like to go back to. Yeah. Um, was was putting those heels on and walking around for eight hours. That's for sure. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you, you take over um, Quinnipiac in, in 1995, uh, and for people who aren't aware, it was Division Two. it was in the NE10, which, again, if people aren't aware, the NE10 yeah. is a murderer's row of teams. It's, yeah. it's brutal to cut your teeth there, uh, and you guys struggled. You, you were there for three years, oh, yeah. and you're 15 and 62 overall, 12 and 42 in conference, and then you transition into D1, and... Again, you struggled. You didn't hit double-digit wins until year six, and I know you've shared the story before, but you you try to quit. <laughs> yeah, well, <clears throat> yeah, there was there was uh, there were a lot of lean days. the The program here had not had a full time women's basketball coach um, prior to me taking over. I was the first full time female coach hired at Quinnipiac in '95. Um, and you are familiar with the NE10. Yep. Um, the, the Bentley Stonehills of D2, part of the attraction for me 
um, taking Quinnipiac was knowing the quality of basketball and really thinking that if I can get Quinnipiac, um, you know, they were undergoing a lot of philosophical changes um, in terms of just the support and where the position was going, that um, that I really wanted to compete for a national championship at the Division Two level. Like, that was very appealing for me in considering and really being interested in the Quinnipiac job. But, you know, that was the lure in getting the job, um, but actually living that. And when you're very successful, not only as a player, but as a coach down at Fairfield, where you're, you're used to participating in postseason and NCAA tournaments, to come in, it was really shell shock, um, and to really have to take over a program that was, again, going through just from from the ground up in terms of where um, it was not really considered, um, you know, full time and full time assistance or any type of budget and scholarships, and then to be in the NE10, we were really, you know, digging out of quite a you know a substantial hole for a number of years, and then quickly. Um, Jack McDonald, an athletic director, had been hired, you know, the same time I was brought in, and we were moving quickly into Division One. so it was really a whirlwind, and playing a lot of catch-up, which, as you know, it, it's just really difficult, but just staying the course and really having a conversation with Jack McDonald after we had played, like, believe it or not, I think it was pretty close games with Wake Forest and Seton Hall, and had two young kids, and just said, went into his office and just said, I, I this is it. Like, I don't think I can do it. And believe it or not, those games with those two teams are pretty competitive. And he went, get out of my office. This isn't happening. I see good things happening, and I'm not letting you, you know, you're not handing your resignation in to me. Yeah. And then really from that point in, we, we, we really turned a corner. And in that first year of Division One, we made the NEC tournament. They only take eight teams, and we were one of the eight to get in. So they were starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. But, um, you know, there was a lot of adversity. We certainly, we certainly saw, but then we started to make some really small strides um, in the right direction. Yeah. Well, you you were really steady going forward after that. You made your first postseason in 2008. You guys made the WNIT. You make it again in 2012, and then 2013 was kind of that first year where it was like, whoa, who is this team? 30 and three. Yeah. Right. You go undefeated in conference, and you make the NCAA tournament. For you, after being there for so long and being at the ground and then seeing what you guys did to win 30 games, I mean, I just can't even imagine the emotions that you probably went through. How good, if you can tell me, did that feel to do it? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, again, when you, know, you work really hard for something, um, you know, to, to have it and share it with a, a group of girls that obviously believe, with, believe in you to say yes to Quinnipiac, you know, during the process, which you know starts out for your seniors five, six years prior to, to have that moment to, you know, at that point we were playing in uh, what was then the TD Bank and and now it's current the People's United Center, but to really have that moment to build to that moment to to really you know culminate in a in a championship and and an NCAA birth and a great seed was you know obviously very satisfying at the moment and then like anybody else it's you know. You, you have to strive for, you know, being better and always establish, you know, yourself and then even more success every time out. But that really was, you know, a pinnacle moment um, in the program's history to, to take it, you know, again, from year to year and through recruiting class to recruiting class when you're getting those commitments and to see it just move through the years uh, and, and to build to that moment where we were finally cut down 
uh, the NEC net have such a dominating year to celebrate it on our home court in front of a couple of thousand fans um, was really one of our, you know, program highlights, but really one of one of my personal highlights to share it with that team. Yeah. Uh, well, and then as part of your reward for finally reaching the mountaintop is you get to switch conferences and try to start all over again. Uh, you guys go into the, the Mac, long, long Mac, not short Mac, two A's. Uh, and you go in and transition there, and, and you come in fourth the first year, and then uh, since then you've lost a total of six times in five years, which is absurd. Uh, what was that transition like, just switching conferences and, and kind of having to relearn uh, the, the, the teams that you were playing uh, most often? Yeah, well, that was um... – I mean, we were excited for the change. You know, we had you know spent our time with the the Northeast Conference, but you know we were excited for the new change. And then for me, you know, everyone's like, "Wow, you've been at Quinnipiac, you know, for all these years." But you know, you just think of the the different opportunities that you've had within those years. So you just you, you, you automatically felt like you were taking a new job. Yeah. Um, moving into the MAC, having been at Quinnipiac, and in the regular season, we did we we finished fourth, but we got right to a championship game. Um, in that in that first year, so you know we did. We were able to you know see um, you know when you're playing those games, not only your non conference games, but we had um, twenty you know ten new conference opponents, and that was a challenge. But it was again for me at the point of, in my own career for me it was like okay, I've got this new job within staying in the same school, um, and and you know and I think at that point with the the class that we had brought in, we were we were ready, obviously well positioned to handle the change. My my president at the time, John Lenny, he's like, my goodness, here here we go. Like we you win this championship, and, and I'm giving you another challenge. But you know, the numbers say it. We were we were well positioned for the transition and, and ready to make the move into the MAC. And and um, you know we're we've we've you know showed obviously quite well with. Um, what we've been able to do in, in six years um, in regular season and then basically since 13, I think it's 13, 15, 17, and, or 18 and 19, we've had four out of the last seven regular seasons go undefeated. So it, it's just been really impressive with the staff and, and the program. And more importantly, you know, my athletic director and, and president and administration really cares about women's basketball being at its best. Yeah, uh, it's you've been able to sustain some excellence there, and then obviously uh, the culmination is 2017. You, know, you make the run to the Sweet 16, that obviously kind of captured the nation's imagination, and uh, you took down Miami Marquette during the run. I know that you talk to coaches all the time. It's just you're just it's just another game, right? You're just planning for the next one, but. When did it hit you? Because obviously you guys making the Sweet 16 is just, that's a historic, it's a big deal. Uh, did the magnitude of what you guys were accomplishing hit you during it? Or did it take, you know, a couple weeks after the season? Like, when did it hit you that like, hey, we just did something I, extraordinary? I think when we returned from um, Miami, when the plane was landing and you had all the local affiliates, the news stations 
waiting for us and like literally broadcasting the plane landing um, and then waiting for us to, to come out and they were bringing the bus by for players to get off the bus. Um, at that moment, when we won those two, two games, that really was extraordinary to have the attention. And then at that point, we certainly realized the magnitude of what we were doing. Um, and then it just it grew larger day by day, like our players getting back into class and walking into and receiving standing ovations. And, you know, our president at the time, again, John Leahy, you know, we had talked about, like, you know, we brought we, we brought a two-step ladder for us, taking the steps in the program. Because it was well documented that, you know, with this team that we, we, we certainly felt that we could get there this year, with that year with the team. Um, and it, we had, a you know, a, a, a ladder truck here for us and all the people that came out for the celebration. Um, of that with the ladder truck. And then, you know, of course, Gino going into his press conference, opening up his jacket and, and, you know, showing a Quinnipiac shirt and saying, you better watch out for this team. And then Rebecca Lobo, who, you know, obviously resides in, resides in uh, Connecticut, and then talking about Quinnipiac and how to pronounce Quinnipiac, and then ESPN coming into our practices. So we realized that we certainly, you know, captured the, the, the hearts and imaginations of the Cinderella, even though we, we firmly believe that, you know, we were good in going into the NCAA tournament, that we were poised after being there for two years to make the next steps in the tournament. Yeah. Did, did it get overwhelming at all? All the attention? No, it was a heck of a lot of fun. <laughs> good. I'm glad to hear yeah. it. Um, well, well, then you, not that you hadn't done it already, but it somehow elevates expectations even more, right, going forward. So not only are you winning conference tournaments and going undefeated in your conference, now you go to the Sweet 16. Now it's like, okay, wh- where where does this end? Where where else can we go? And in the following yeah. year, you you know, you get to the tournament and you you beat Miami again. So you guys are now becoming a team where not only are you happy getting in the tournament, you're trying to win some games and you're good enough to win some games. Uh what? Uh, yeah, and we yeah. were really rewarded. We had a great non-conference yeah. Um, yeah. last year, and we, we garnered the nine seed. And, um, you know, the year before, I think with, with going down to Miami and the charter and being in, you know, South Beach and over spring break, all of that, it was like, I don't think anything's going to top that, you know, that experience. The, last year when the selection show went up and we were fortunate enough to win the, the MAC title, um, and, and we were excited again to see where we were going. And then right off the bat, it was like, okay, we're keep, we're staying at stores and then we're seeing Miami again. And then it's over spring break. And we were all kind of like putting our best face forward. And you kind of see the, you know, the reality of UConn sitting in that second game. And then, wow, you're seeing Miami again. And you're like, oh, you know, you're in this tournament. You want to see a different team. Yeah. I think initially we're like, oh, like this, this, it doesn't sound, we're not getting on a, a, a charter and going somewhere sunny and warm for spring break. We're, we're staying in our, our own, you know, our own beds over spring break and we're practicing here and then we go up to stores and the reality, you know, although we were going to compete and, you know, you know, obviously get ready and prepped and, and see UConn and, you know, all that we were just, you know, not as enthused, um, but once the day drew closer and then we went up to and we got the excitement of, you know, the UConn fans who had certainly adopted us the year prior, that they were really, they stayed, they were at our game playing Miami and they were five, 6,000 deep. Like once we got up there, 
um, to have such our own fans and then the state fans and then the UConn fans in there really rooting for us. It was such a great game to play in front of 5,000 people. That was phenomenal. And then, you know, the next night, obviously, we saw UConn and, and we, 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 rep, you know, we, we, we held the ball, but we certainly represented ourselves well <laughs> yeah. at, at halftime. But, um, but to have that place absolutely packed, it was the feature game on ESPN. You know, we, we certainly, like I said, showed uh, extremely well. But to really go out in front of 9,000 people, uh, playing against the, 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 you know, the number one overall seed, that certainly was a thrill of a lifetime. And then, you know, the, you know, personally, you know, we had all our, uh, you know, to have all our friends, all our family, all our fans, and everyone to be going crazy for that game in the state certainly elevated the experience to where it was the year prior. And then just for me on a personal note to have, you know, your own daughter um, finish her career and in front of, you know, all her her friends and fans and, and everyone know um her leaving in front of 9,000 was, was pretty special. Yeah. You've been, with all the success, with all the amazing stories, you know, it's not, um, it's not far-fetched to think uh, and, and to assume and, and, and at some points know, but, you know, you've, you've been sought after by, by other schools, by bigger schools that have, that have tried to kind of woo you away. What uh-huh. is what is it? Why why are you still there? I guess that's the question that most people would ask: is why the heck are you staying there at this you know, little school? Uh, because Quinnipiac University cares about women's basketball being a, a in the top twenty in national power. Uh, I think that there's you know bigger conferences and in you know the Power Five conferences that have programs that don't necessarily care about women's basketball it may be football and it's men's basketball and women's basketball is in in the pecking out different pecking order at Quinnipiac women's basketball is with men's basketball and the hockey programs I mean it's the women's preeminent sport here and um I really firmly believe that we can continue to rise um, nationally yeah. and go against the grain from, you know, having to be in a power five. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not saying it's easy, um, but, you know, I've, I've made quite a home here. Um, I believe in, firmly believe in um, the university uh, and our academics and what we have done as a program to keep attract, attracting um, young ladies that, that want to continue to do what, some programs may have done before and what we have not achieved. And I think it's those challenges that we attract these student athletes that it really appeals to them. And that's why we're able to continue to sustain a level of excellence and and want to keep making the next steps, hopefully come March. And it's not easy because we know for the most part, for the most part, um, you know, we've got to win the tournament in March, but we certainly schedule this year is no different. You know, our non-conference schedule, control, you can control and playing big games to win to still give us an at-large bid. And I, I know that's, uh, you know, difficult to do. But, you know, I firmly believe in, in our philosophy here um, at Quinnipiac, that's for sure. What have you not accomplished that you that you want to? I, I want to see that. I want to see those wins on the second weekend in March. Hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, if people aren't aware, yeah, your schedule, yeah, you played Mizzou, you played Texas this year, even if 
Uh, yeah. You go to the, the mid-majors, you play Princeton, Central Michigan, Bucknell, Drexel. Uh, you go to Providence, too. So, you, you yeah, you definitely loaded it up. Uh, with, and again, 23-6 and six on the year, if people don't know, 18-0 and 0 in conference. And uh, we'll open your conference tournament on Friday against Niagara or Fairfield. With the level of success you've had, uh, I mean, you, you kind of just touched on it a little bit, but do you find it... Is it easy now that the train's kind of moving to, to keep it going, or is, do, is, do you still have some challenges that you had early on, or how just the recent success, how has that helped or hurt or whatever, uh, just you kind of consistently building what you've done? Yeah, I, I just think you need to, like, if you ever rest on what you did yesterday, you're never going to be ready for the challenges that you're going to see today or tomorrow, and I, I think we all get up ready to prove ourselves every day and if you're not ready for that then you're not going to be at your best so I, I, I certainly think that um, we're, we're you know not indestructible like you know I think we have our warts yeah. and um, but I, I, I also think that you know we, we, we are a really talented um, group that you know finds is mentally tough so I you know, I just think we get up every day to prove yourself, and we don't ever, I think we put our head on the pillow saying we did our best, and I think we, you know, we want to reflect and, and be satisfied with, like, I, you know, I told the young ladies on, on Saturday when we, you know, the goal isn't to go undefeated in league play, it's to be your best to win every game that you're playing that day, and that builds up over a period of time, and I asked them just to please take a minute to exhale and enjoy that. Because back-to-back years, that's that's really yeah. special and really hard, and that's not something you set out to do ultimately. But they did that without a gaffe, which I I think is really really tough. Because um, every night, on any night, someone can just have a it wasn't our night, and someone picks you off. And the fact that we haven't had that is impressive. But this is a whole new season going forward, and um, in, in tournament play, and it's you can't make this mistakes and it's you know winner go home and I just think we all have the the mantra of you know we've got to get up and prove ourselves every day and that's what's been really um impressive to watch with this this you know this this team and in particular these group this group of seniors um that have just not been at their best on every given night but somebody has found a way to make the play to get the loose ball to have the block out make the free throw the pass and and that has been um really improbable and so amazing to watch as a coach to watch these young ladies perform with what you just touched on with what we've already discussed with the the sweet 16 uh you've eight straight seasons of 20 plus wins what are you most proud of over your coaching career Geez, well, I don't know because I, I think I'm in I'm in a tunnel vision of the season. Um, I just think it's really the the quality of the, the the individual player that sacrifices for the what is ultimately the best for the team, and that's how we are able to what people think from the outside looking in that don't know much think is improbable, and that we know we can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Last question I'll get you out of here um for people who 
haven't tuned in this year or have been living under a rock for the last two years and haven't watched you guys play. Um, why let's, you know, assuming I'm, I know you won't do this, but I'm saying let's, let's assume that you, you win the tournament you get through, you're into the NCAA tournament. Why should people look at you no matter who you're playing and go, Hey, I think I might, uh, we might see them in, in the second weekend. Well, this year it's been uh, because of our defense. Um, we have had the, the core group of seniors that have played and won three postseason games in the last two years. Um, but this year we have really turned up defensively in our assisted turnover um, margin. And um, points per game that we've allowed has been top four consistently, regardless from playing you know, Texas, Missouri, um, to anybody we're seeing in the conference, we have, we have been pretty lethal defensively. And, and I think defense travels. So that's been really um, our identity, what we've been able to hang our hat on. Um, so I think that's going to be a tough out for anybody. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Like we said, starting Friday, we'll see what you guys can do in the conference tournament. You, you play Niagara or Fairfield as that... The MAC tournament starts in Albany, but again, Quinnipiac 23 and 6 on the year, 18 and 0, second straight season running the table in the conference. Coach, it's been it's been fun. It's been really enjoyable watching you and your program, uh, especially the last few seasons. And uh, I really appreciate you taking time for me today. Well, Blake, I enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks again to Quinnipiac head coach Trisha Fabry for joining me. Uh, one of if. Not the best consistent mid-major team in the country. Thank you for listening to The Jump Around, whether it's on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen, it is appreciated. If you listen on iTunes and can leave a rating and a review, I would appreciate that as well. You can find me on Twitter, at Blake Dudonis. And until next time, this is The Jump Around.